Welcome to the Higher Ed Demand Gen Podcast, helping higher education marketing leaders share knowledge about learning, strategies, and tactics that are relevant today. See what you can learn today by listening to one of our episodes. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Higher Ed Demand Gen Podcast, hosted by Concept3D. If you like our content, please follow and subscribe to us on Spotify, Apple, Google, or wherever you're listening to our podcast. And if you're on Apple, please drop us a comment. We'd love to know what you think about it. My name is Shiro, and today we will be talking about fostering an, an, a physical experience that, that uh, fosters a connection to the school's brand. And for this topic, I'm very excited to have Chris Alexander join us today. He is the Senior Director of Digital Communications and Brand Experience at NYU School of Global Public Health. Welcome to the podcast, Chris. Great to be here. Thanks for the opportunity. And as everyone knows, I do love to ask this icebreaker. Chris, what do you love about higher ed? I would say higher ed for me, um, in my experience, has been an amazing uh, privilege to be a part of. And it's something that has propelled my career and my personal growth and really challenged me. And it's something that um, I wish was an option for more people. And it's not. And I think we should, uh, you know, we should we should face that and think about it. But for me, it's been an amazing privilege um, to go to grad school and and learn all these things. So um, I think higher ed is an amazing kind of springboard for a career. Thanks for sharing that. And so let's get into the topic a little bit more. Can you tell us a little bit more about your role with NYU School of Public Global Health and how you got there? I think it's an interesting journey about you know how you got involved with what we'll be talking about today. So. Um, I'm a California transplant to uh, New York City, and I went to school at UC Santa Cruz, um, where I studied studio art and metal sculpture. And I knew while a lot of my friends were going into the art gallery space, that wasn't really the place for me. I was more interested in combining creativity and art and design with business. And that led me to NYU for grad school. So I came to NYU. Um, I did a master's in graphic communications and uh, part of my strategy coming to grad school was I was interested in NYU has an amazing tuition remission policy for um, eligible staff. They'll pay for up to two master's degrees and a PhD, which is kind of amazing. Um, wow. And so I came to NYU, went to grad school, and I started working here in an admissions office. And I worked for four years in admissions and recruitment, doing everything from updating websites to designing postcards to putting on info sessions to talking to random people off the street um, who came in and were like, what kind of programs do you got and how much do they cost? And those formative years working in admissions and recruitment, um, I carry with me today because they really taught me a, mm -hmm. how to sell higher education, but also what are the, the barriers and the things that people think about when they're thinking about, is this for me? Can I do it? Um, so I worked four years in admissions and recruitment I went on uh, to another department in NYU to do more event planning and media production, and there's a lot more technical kind of video stuff. Um, and then that brought me to the role I have now, um, where I've been working in communications and brand ma brand management. Um, and when I got this job, I remember uh, looking at this job, and the job description was pretty generic. It wasn't super exciting, and sometimes that's how it is in higher ed. And I remember mm -hmm. walking into this small kind of plain room was a little stuffy and I sat down and the interviewer said, we're creating a new school from the ground up and we're getting a new building and we are building mm -hmm. this brand 
from scratch and they had no video capabilities. They had very little social media capabilities. Their website was not mobile responsive. If you can actually imagine, um, they had a brochure, they had some logo files and like a PDF of approved colors. And that's about it. And, you know, I walked out of that interview thinking, how often does NYU create a new school? Um, maybe every 10, 20 years. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, and I kind of left just thinking like, what an amazing opportunity to, to get to build something pretty much from the ground up. And so when I took this job, the first, um, tasks that I had was a complete rebrand of the website. We built a small podcast team and a video team, and we kind of, um, redefined their newsletter strategy for email and their social media strategy. And it was really an awesome opportunity to jump in and build something from the ground up. And a lot of that, um, kind of communications and brand experience that we did in all of these other elements fed into, uh, the new building, which I'm, you know, totally happy to, to talk about more now. Yeah. Love that. And I know, you know, you came in from a digital perspective, at least from experience background, uh, but you had that, you know, uh, education more in the studio and art space. And so can you tell us a little bit more about how you and your team are creating a, a physical experience, right? Not just digital experience that fosters a connection to the school's brand at the School of Public Global Health. Yeah. And I'll say I was super fortunate to get involved early on um, in the final stages of construction for this building. The fear right. for my uh, department was we'd move in and it would just be a white wall office that would be kind of plain. And our only option at that point was like to put art on the wall. Um, and luckily we were brought to the table uh, fairly early on to really think about what does, what is this school about? What is the brand about and how can it be expressed in this physical space? Um, so the way that process started was we had a lot of brainstorming conversations. We spoke to a lot of different stakeholders, alumni, faculty, students, really sort of being like, what's at the core of why these people are coming here to do this work? And we started with this core concept that public health is usually public health work sometimes is invisible, right? So if your water is clean, you don't think about public health. If your if your air is clean, if you have nutritious food, you have relative safety where you live and where you work and where you worship, public health is not something on your mind until, as we all learned in 2020, when your air is dangerous and when there's, um, you know, when there are when there's a pandemic or when you're you don't have access to nutritious foods, then people or clean water, as is happening now in the United States and places, still don't have clean water. Then people become aware of, oh my gosh, public health mm -hmm. health is a thing. And so we started with that kind of core concept that public health professionals are working 24-7 behind the scenes to try to make sure that that doesn't happen to you. Um, and they're still working now. And so we started with that as a core concept. And then we distilled that down uh, a little bit more to this idea of the elements that support life, right? Earth, air, fire, and water. Um, and within our building, um, I'm going to kind of narrate and walk you through a couple cool spots in our building where we expressed these, um, these brand elements. So when you walk into our lobby, we have a, uh, 14 foot led video wall with photos and videos of students and faculty alumni doing mm -hmm. study abroad around the world, um, images from key moments like graduation. And the purpose here is that we wanted to showcase the students, the faculty and the staff, because without the people, this is an empty building with a flag that has no meaning. It's about the people in the building and, and 
the work that they're doing. And so we have this dynamic video wall that's just bright and it has a lot of movement. Um, and you know, selfishly on the marketing and communication side, what an amazing privilege to have eyeballs on Broadway looking at our stuff, right? It's just, right. it's kind of a dream. Um, and so that's what you see from the street when you walk into our lobby. If you step further into the lobby, on one side, uh, we have an artistic rendering of those elements of life. So this is a laser cut um, uh, artistic rendering out of colored acrylic material. And it sort of sits above the seating area, like a lounge seating area mm -hmm. where students can meet up before class. They can meet up with their friends. Um, they can cram for tests or they can kind of decompress after a class before they step out into Broadway. And then opposite that um, seating area with the elements of life, we have a 30-foot long living plant wall. And this has um, a variety of plants that bloom at different times of the year. So it's a constantly evolving, almost sculptural mm -hmm. element um, in the space, which is super cool. There are ferns, pothos, spider plants, and other tropical plants that I'm not going to try to name because I'm going to butcher <laughs> the names. But um, it's this amazing thing where you step into the space and it's cleaning the air naturally. It increases oxygen levels. Um, there's a hybrid irrigation system behind the wall that, that recycles the water. And when you're in wow. the space, there's a moisture in the air, kind of like a jungle. And it's, it's really cool. Um, and the objective here with the lobby was when you step in to the lobby, your, your first introduction to the building, right? Um, we wanted to introduce our visitors to the elements of life and that concept, uh, encourage them to reconnect with nature to to relax and sit and refresh and look at the green wall and smell it and and kind of hear the silence um, that comes with a huge wall of plants and we wanted to create this space that's kind of contemplative it's meditative and it's a buffer from the noisy crazy street outside on Broadway um, so that's our that's the lobby and once you enter the lobby um, if you'll come with me on the elevator up to the fourth floor we have an art gallery that features the 17 sustainable development goals. So we called them SDGs. And these are um, goals defined by the United Nations, what they call a blueprint for peace and prosperity for people and the earth. So some examples are zero hunger, clean water, education for all, building sustainable cities. It's sort of painting this picture of a future where humans can grow and thrive and something that we would kind of all like to live in. And the objective with this gallery installation was to um, first reinforce the partnerships that NYU has with these amazing local and global organizations mm -hmm. and to celebrate these goals. And um, something that I'm going to pick up on several times is remind students of the future that they're fighting for in, in what they are learning and what they're studying. Um, and if we hop back on the elevator and go up to the eighth floor, we have a long uh, graphic timeline. It's a vinyl installation on the wall, and it documents the history of public health at NYU. That even though our school has only existed for 15 or since 2015, mm -hmm. public health has been at NYU for 90 years. So it was this evolution where in the 30s, in the 1930s, the first courses in health were created. Um, in the 1970s, the Department of Health Studies was created. The Master of Public Health degree, which is our flagship degree, was created in the 80s. We created the PhD in 2012, and then in 2015, we planted the flag in the ground, and the, the College of Global Public Health was formed, later renamed to school. Um, and then fast forward to 2020, in the middle of a pandemic, we uh, 
all nervously with masks um, moved into 708 Broadway, our building. Uh, so we have this timeline that shows sort of the evolution of this, this space and how it was created. Um, and the objective here is to show students um, and all visitors that this is more than a degree, right? Mm -hmm. If a student comes here, they're opting in to become part of a larger legacy of public health that extends way far into the past uh, mm -hmm. and involves people that did work before them and it involves the work they're going to do in the future. And so it really wanted to give them this, this perspective that like you're part of a bigger thing here. That's kind of amazing. Right. Um, and you know, they should be kind of energized and jazzed about that when it's time to cram for midterms and things are stressed out and, and, um, and things are stressful times. And it reminds them kind of like, you know, why to keep going. So um, mm -hmm. those are kind of the main elements. There's two more things we're working on right now that we're kind of in brainstorm mode still, but um, I think we're excited about one. We're going to do a gallery installation of artifacts. Um, so sort of if you'd imagine like you walk into a museum, they have those pedestals with a little uh, acrylic mm, okay. um, square yeah. and there's a little like thing inside with a little label. So we're working on a gallery installation of artifacts maybe syringes to represent vaccines, um, something about clean water versus polluted water. We're playing with different ideas. Um, mm -hmm. One of our faculty who works in environmental health has an irradiated object from Chernobyl, which is pretty gnarly, and um, he might oh. let us borrow it and put it in the, in, the, in the artifact installation area, which is pretty cool. Um, so we're playing with that. It's, uh, it's exciting. And then the other thing we're working on right now is a um, on the third floor, which is where all of our students hang out, um, a global map that's going to be along this entire big wall that shows um, all the different countries of the world. And there's going to be magnets where people, uh, students and faculty and staff can put a magnet where they're from to really point oh, cool. out that we are truly <clears throat> a global school. I mean, even in the numbers, we're majority international students. Um, oh, really? And we have alumni working in over over yeah we have alumni working in over 40 countries in the world so we thought this would be kind of a immersive installation where students could walk in and just be confronted with like wow you know mm -hmm. the the scope of of um how many different countries people are from is pretty amazing uh so there's a couple other small features throughout the whole building um the carpeting is made from recycled fishnets uh every floor has a different color on the carpeting so green for earth red for fire blue for water we have a gym on premise. We have filtered water fountains. All of the furniture was built with sustainable materials. Mm -hmm. The majority of our desks for faculty and staff are variable height, so we can sit or stand. Um, the student space where students hang out all the time, they have study rooms, individual and group study rooms, and it's over 7,000 square feet. And it was all designed with a priority access to natural light. And the the thesis with all of this is not that oh, we built this really cool building. It's that if we create a space that promotes wellness and inspires and, and therefore inspires ideas, if we do that well, students are going to study better. They're going to feel better. Faculty are going to teach better and mm -hmm. staff will enjoy working here. Um, and so I, I will say, you know, what we've built and are still continuing to build at 708 Broadway for GPH is, is super cool, but it's also part of a larger NYU movement. So there's a couple other details um, that I just want to point out around the NYU campus in general. There's a, actually a cogeneration power plant under one of the dorms that provides heating for 44 buildings and electricity for 26 buildings. 
Um, what and what is a, on the top of our a, library? I was going to say, what is a code gener? I, I don't under I don't know what that is. <laughs> it's a yeah yeah. Um, so uh, I'm certainly not an expert in power plants, but my limited research is that it's a type of power plant where when it generates electricity, the residual heat is then used for something else, um, which is a very very sustainable kind of an elegant design. Okay, cool. Thank you. Thanks for explaining that. Yeah. Um, and so a couple other things that are really cool on top of our library, there's 304 solar panels, um, that can power the equivalent of one entire residence hall. And so all of these little things add up to, um, NYU's goal of becoming carbon neutral by 2040. So mm. it's, it's, it's really cool to see that theme carried out in the little things and then in the big right. things. Um, and, and I really got to say that my role in all this with the brand and, and the design was the cherry on top. And there were dozens of people that worked for years on this. So I just want to um, quickly shout out a few folks who were instrumental in this. Um, Clement Halsman Architects and Rocco and the team at Piscatella Design Center were just wonderful partners who dreamed with us to create all of this um, mm -hmm. uh, and create it and bring it into existence. Cheryl Hilton was the founding dean of the School of Global Public Health, and she really fought to establish this as a school and secure this building for us to do this work. Um, Julia Cartwright was previously the dean of communications. She pushed to make sure that communications and marketing had a seat at the table where these, these decisions were happening among leadership. So that was super, super important. And then lastly, and absolutely not least, um, I, I really got a Shout out Amanda Garofalo and Coylan Gomez from our operations team. These folks uh, were tenacious and hugely instrumental in getting us here. And they somehow figured out how to move 150 faculty and staff from three buildings into one building in the middle of a pandemic. Um, and nobody had done that before. And there was no blueprint and manual on how <laughs> to do that. So, you know, I just got to say a, a, a thousand kudos and endless gratitude to all these people that Without their work, this building would not exist in its current form. Great. And Chris, I have some follow-up for that. You know, you've spent all this time planning and strategizing with that brand experience, with that physical experience of this new school building uh, was going to be like. And there's just so much that went into it, right? You said the different floors, the coloring on the carpet, the experience, the moisture, like everything. Like, did this get you a lot of press too as well? I'm, I'm just thinking like, I had a conversation with the with the, the Bentley Bentley University, and they're one of the first schools to uh, adopt cryptocurrency for tuition payment, and they also oh, like boy. created some NFTs because they have some really strong sports teams, and that got them so much you know press, and it was really good for the school's brand as a whole. To it, I think it made national news, and I'm just curious, like you know, all this time you've invested in you and your team to develop some this beautiful building like I'm, I'm curious like did it get a lot of good pr um i think it got some pr mostly mostly in a local kind of space um i think when you have a large yeah. university like nyu and you have mm -hmm. something new and shiny um it helps to kind of use that as as your your next showpiece as a demonstration as i kind of tied it in you know nyu has these larger sustainability goals so mm -hmm. once they had um something to demonstrate that they were, you know, putting action behind it. That's where we got a little bit of PR. Um, I want to say, 
I, I, I don't think we got a lot of PR sort of from a wide perspective, like nationally, but I think locally mm-hmm. people were super excited to come and visit. Um, the students were super excited to have this home base that really, uh, you know, solidified why they picked this and, and sort of reinforced their selection. Um, so I think mm-hmm. we got a little bit of PR. I think there's potential in the future uh, when we kind of further develop the building and the brand and, and we kind of keep going. Um, mm-hmm. But I think it's an iterative process. No, that's great to hear. And in terms of like student enrollment, I'm curious, because you have this admissions and enrollment and recruitment background, like how is it, how is it, the building and the students been so far like have you, have you seen changes in enrollment and recruitment um with the new building and the new school yeah it's certainly something that gets people excited to come and visit um since 2020 well i'd say before 2020 you know we really had to really struggle to tell people what public health was right um people understand what right. going to school for uh, going to medical school and law school and business school and studying history and art. And they know these things, engineering, they know these things, but public health was this weird in betweeny kind of thing. Um, and we really had to really struggle with explaining it. And then suddenly um, the, the silver lining of the, the disaster that was COVID was that everybody knew what public health was. Um, so from that moment, yes, we saw enrollment um, spike and a lot more interest um, it, from the PR perspective. Our faculty were getting asked all kinds of questions as experts in their field. Um, so that was a huge catapulting moment mm-hmm. that uh, is still is still going. Actually, um, you know, public health interest is still increasing. Um, we have uh, you know, COVID's not going away, and there will be another disaster that we have to mitigate in the future. And so it's really about. Um, telling people that we need these professionals, they are vital um, to the future of our communities. So, but yeah, enrollment is, is still going strong. Yeah, it's really interesting. And I know earlier you mentioned there's a lot of international students enrolled with, Mm -hmm. uh, with the public global health. Is that like, how does that compare with the rest of NYU and other schools or is it, as a whole, like, are there more international students with global health or, and I'm curious how you're using this physical space to actively recruit international students as well. Yeah. NYU is a largely international, uh, school and, um, you know, there are a dozen global campuses around the world. Um, and we have students and alumni from probably every country in the world as well. Um, for GPH specifically, it's hard to have a really cool physical space when you have international students who can't come here, right? Very easily. Mm-hmm. Um, or even folks that are not in New York can't come here. So that is a challenge. And that's something that um, on the digital side of things, we're still trying to think about how to tell people like really how amazing it is to step foot in here and experience it. Um, but, uh, but as for NYU as a whole, um, it's a pretty international community. I mean, one of the, one of the main attracting points of doing public health work in New York city in particular is among our five boroughs, there's virtually representation of every culture perhaps in the world. And maybe I'm going mm-hmm. a little extreme with that, but right. um, 
it's one of the most diverse cities in the world. And so from a public health perspective, if you wanted to study different populations and how their their culture relates to their food, relates to their transportation, relates to their access to healthcare, you can probably find a nook in New York of any culture you want to study and go talk to those people. Um, so, you know, mm -hmm. NYU is international, GPH is majority international, but just the fact that it's centered here makes perfect sense in that the city itself is an extremely diverse city. Gotcha. Thanks for explaining that to me. Yeah, I mean, I, I think I mentioned in uh, East Coast right now, I'll be in New York City in a few days. So, um, and I was here a few months ago for another wedding and it, it is definitely yeah, and I love the food and different people I would see just walking around the street. It's very different from Colorado where I'm from. So, uh, yeah, I love it. Yeah, I'm curious, yeah. uh, you know, kind of going back to you telling this whole story about developing this space out, you know, over a period of a couple of years. What can other schools start thinking about to create these kinds of physical experience that help tie the connection to the school and to brand and to the entire, you know, school as well? to the university institution when they start doing to really start thinking about the experiences. Yeah. Well, first I, I think I would, um, I would encourage people to think that everybody who enters your building, your physical space is a potential investor in your school and they're investing different things, right? So prospective students are walking in thinking, okay, am I going to invest my money, but also am I going to invest two, four years of my life? at this place? Can I see myself here, walking in here, studying here, going to class here? Um, donors might walk in thinking, you know, mm -hmm. do I want to invest and can I see my name on the lecture hall or something like that? And for members of the public, they're thinking, do I want to invest an hour of my time coming to your panel event or watching your webinar? So everybody who steps foot in the door um, is sort of playing out that kind of um, that risk assessment and sort of like investment assessment. Like, should I, should I be part of this? Is it worth it to me? Um, and one of the things that mm -hmm. I think a lot of us maybe don't think about often is that when a prospective student considers attending school, there are a lot of different data points in that decision. Price, distance from home, where are the alumni working? Um, you know, and these are all the things that a lot of folks talk about on, on and podcasts like yours of sort of like, these are the parts of the decision. But I think I would encourage people to not forget that there's a highly emotional component in this decision. And the, in the back of their head, they're asking mm -hmm. themselves, can I envision myself here? Can I envision myself going to class here, studying here, walking around campus? Uh, and if you go even further, you know, dig a little deeper, will I find friends here? Will I find community? So that's why the physical space is so important. And it's something that is, can be overlooked. Um, a lot of places just have a building and faculty and students in it, and they have their logo on the front. And that's, that's great. But if you can create an environment in which a student walks in and they feel like they're a part of something, um, you're leveling up the performance of your organization a whole lot. Um, so there's, there's three kind of pieces of advice I would give folks who are thinking about trying to create or improve the physical space in their, in their um, institution. The first, as I kind of talked about earlier, is you got to really discover your core concept. And that, and that starts with reading through your marketing materials with fresh eyes, talk to stakeholders, um, talk to students and alumni, find out their motivations, you know, ask them of all the things to do on this wonderful earth, what drew you to spend your time here? Again, it's an investment, right? They could be doing this, they could be doing something else. 
Um, I would ask yourself, what are we fighting for? Is this an opportunity um, to show off what the school and the brand is all about? Um, is it truth and justice? Is it spreading appreciation for a dying art form? Is it to build stuff, break stuff, innovate? Um, you know, in our case, it's creating a world where communities can be healthy. So you got to kind of find what are you all about? And that takes time and that takes a lot of discussions and it takes, um, you know, the patience to think through the different ideas. And then you got to find your core concepts out of that. The, mm -hmm. the second piece of advice I'd give is once you have some sort of a concept, think about how that can be represented in the physical world. So I mentioned before artifacts, artwork, photography, video. So a couple ideas um, that we can spitball for a second, you know, if you work in any of the humanities, history, art, literature, those kinds of fields, think about what are the tools that people use to express their ideas? You know, I'm, I'm imagining old typewriters, antique paintbrushes, fountain pens, first edition right. books, images of cave paintings. Like what are the roots of what you're doing? Where does it come from? Quotes that inspired movements and speeches that started revolutions kind of, you know, really boil it down to like, what are the core tools? that are part of this work. And for the folks who are in the biologies, the chemistries, the sciences, um, these people have it easy. They got the, the gizmos and gadgets, right? They got the microscopes and the telescopes and the lasers and the mm -hmm. 3D printing machines and all that good stuff. Um, and so that, you know, think about how the, the, the concept of what you're, what you're working on can be represented in the physical space. And then you got the athletics and student life and that kind of thing. You can think about old trophies, vintage footballs, you know, a wall of Polaroids of students who came from past years, maybe a time capsule, um, mm -hmm. really trying to create this sense of that they're stepping into a longer legacy of, of um, students that came before them. So find your core concept, think about how it can re be represented in a physical space. And then um, the last thing I would say is, then you got to take a look at the physical space you have to work with and look for places that are um, high potential and have high opportunities. So these are from a very basic level, when you're waiting for an elevator or when you're sitting at a lounge or windows that face an open street or an open plaza or large empty walls in conference rooms, or could you hang something in a conference room mm -hmm. that stimulates ideas and make people more creative? Um, you know, you can engage with the, the brand and the materials in different ways. You can put window clings on vinyl clings. You can put QR codes that link to um, videos or text or narrative experiences with headphones. Um, we've even thought of, uh, we were thinking of an idea of like, if we had a blank wall, could we have a contest where an art student could paint a mural every year and we would just cover the cost of the paint, right? So that you got to look for these, these areas mm -hmm. of opportunity that um, are kind of your blank canvas to showcase these elements of the brand. And I'll just shout out, you know, this is simple stuff, but some tools and resources that uh, don't overlook Etsy. Empix um, is is the the king for printing stuff. <laughs> uh, they have the the best quality. Um, Society Six has really cool, really cool products that you can be creative with, and um, vinyl graphics and window clings and things that are that look great but are not extremely permanent are, are really important because, um, you know, one, two, five years in the future, you may want to refresh things. So you, get, you do have to think about, um, putting things up, but then also have some flexibility as well. 
I love the suggestions and your your top three or step process on how you can go about creating this physical experience. It's it's great. I remember one thing you mentioned around like creating a space that outlives your time was one thing you said, I think, on our previous call. I really like that as well. Can you tell us a little bit more about what you mean by by that? Yeah. And this this was a a way of thinking that came up in our very, very early brainstorming sessions. Mm-hmm. Um, everybody came to the table with their personal aesthetic views, the favorite colors, favorite types of things to look at. And what we tried to do in those initial meetings when we were kind of distilling down the core concept um, was to remind folks that we're all here to be creative and think of ideas, but we all have to put on a hat that, that we are now representing the school in 50 years. So what is a concept? What are ideas that if we put it on the wall are going to outlive our time working here probably. Um, And that actually creates just another, it's a challenge. It creates another filter to make sure that things are not just trendy. Um, You'd be Mm -hmm. surprised. You put something on the wall and three years later, a student walks in and they're like, Oh, that looks old. Um, And so really trying to make sure that you're thinking of visual representation or or physical objects or physical spaces that are going to stand the test of time. And that was really helpful for us to eliminate ideas that were really interesting, really cool, but more kind of exciting and trendy. And then when we think, Mm -hmm. okay, um, you know, it's 2023 in 2033, is this still going to go on the wall? Are you still going to feel proud of this work? Uh, and that was a really good sort of filter to put the ideas through. I love that. Yeah. You can't get too caught up in the noise of today. You have to think bigger picture and think, you know, how can something great today be around and will be valuable, you know, past my tenure. Right. And you can look back and say, Hey, like I was a part of this. That's fantastic. Well, and, and I'll also add that it's related to, you know, I mentioned our timeline and that public health has been kind of bubbling up at NYU for 90 years. It started with one course, right? So the work that we're doing Mm -hmm. in that conference room at that moment, thinking of ideas, you know, we're working on behalf of those people that did the work before us. And so we better Mm -hmm. honor all of that blood, sweat, and tears. Um, And so whatever we create, it it needs to be a strong idea that's going to resonate over time. So there's a, we did feel a lot of responsibility um, for for the concepts we chose and how we executed and put it on the wall, literally, um, in the space. And um, mm-hmm. it kind of made the work feel really important. That's fantastic. I'm, I'm curious, like, this is this is the first time I've had this type of conversation around creating the physical space, you know, building your buildings out and your campuses out to match your brand narrative. Uh, what you what you stand for, and do you think that there's an opportunity more for marketing folks like yourself, you know, communications titles, brand experience titles, to be involved a little bit more in the development of campus building, campus architecture? Like you know, it, schools are always constantly building, you know, and and renovating and adding buildings and uh, new new features to their campus and. I wonder if there's an opportunity for like people like yourself to be involved more with other schools as well. I certainly hope so, because I know in the realm of digital work, we are 
increasingly vying for smaller and smaller shares of attention. And it's harder to get mm. eyeballs on the stuff that we produce. So, um, you know, if you think beyond the social media and the YouTubes and the emails and the, the print mailers and stuff, you know, if you can have a different platform, a different canvas for this work that you're doing, I think is a really exciting opportunity. So, um, and I'm thinking, you know, large art on walls, the, the installations that I talked about, um, you'd be surprised how important and amazing it is to have a window cling that's facing out on a, on a crowded street. Like you want to talk eyeballs, forget, forget Instagram. Like you're going to have like people 24 seven walking around seeing your thing. Mm -hmm. Um, so I, I hope it's an opportunity for the future. And I think some of the resources I mentioned, you know, the Etsy's and the MPIXs of the world and kind of vinyl application mm -hmm. types of materials, they're making it so you can create stuff cheaper that is less of a commitment that is, um, if it's less of a commitment and it's easy to refresh, it's usually easier to sell to the higher ups, to leadership, to say like, you know, this would be cool if we did it. Here's how much it costs. And in a year from now, if you hate it, we can take it down. Um, there's mm. a lot more flexible, cheaper tools to express all of these brand ideas in a physical space. Um, and I, I just feel like it's a really, it has been an amazing opportunity for me that I just sort of stumbled into. Um, and I, and I, I think it, when I think of the larger sort of portfolio of the, the platforms and things that we work with and communications and marketing, um, you know, we're, like I said, we're just fighting for the smaller slice of the pie and those eyeballs. And if you have other opportunities to show off your work, I think it's, it's a, it's a, it's a great thing to have. I really like that perspective. Yeah. It's, it's something that I've never thought about as someone who works in branding, you know, like to also be a part of that physical base and be a part of like that feel of energy that you get in, in, in real life. And so that's, that's fantastic. I'm wondering, Chris, uh, thinking about our listeners here today, um, where could some of our listeners follow up with you to understand what you're working on, to know what NYU public health, global public health is up to? Yeah, uh, well, first I'd say check out our website, publichealth.nyu.edu. And on the homepage, uh, we have a building tour video that walks through um, visually all the things I mentioned and more. So definitely check out our website. Um, I do want to shout out, since this is a podcasting audience, uh, one of the things that my team uh, works on is um, a podcast called IMGPH, and we work on telling uh, the stories of this sometimes invisible work that our students, faculty, and alumni are doing to keep our communities healthy. So, um, mm -hmm. you know, really proud of that and really proud that we have the opportunity to capture those stories. Um, so it's called the IMGPH Podcast. Check it out on the Apples and Spotify's and all those things. Um, and lastly, look me up on LinkedIn. Connect with me, um, Chris Alexander, NYU. Um, on LinkedIn, you'll find me. And I'm happy to connect and, um, you know, meet other folks who are interested in this stuff. Thank you so much, Chris. It was awesome having you on today. Yeah. Thanks again for the opportunity. Um, and it was great to talk to you. Thank you, Chris. Thanks to our listeners for tuning in as well. Check us out in the next episode. Thanks so much.